Today's show is brought to you by Bogart Extractors, an industry leader in hydrocarbon extraction. Over the last decade, Bogart has implemented many new technologies, which have helped to revolutionize the way hydrocarbon extractions are performed. Each unit is made with sanitary stainless steel and is built and tested right here in the USA. Their certified system for use in licensed facility meet all NFPA and ASME standards and undergo peer-reviewed by third-party engineers to ensure facilities and its employees can operate safely. Beyond simply making a functional extractor, Bogart has many additional features which make extraction faster and more cost-effective compared to other manufacturers. These features include hydrocarbon failing films to supercharge evaporation rates, heavy-duty explosion-proof pumps for flammable liquids and vapors, industrial chillers capable of maintaining large tanks of solvent at temperatures below 60 Celsius. They also offer extensive tech support and consultation services. So whether you need to set up an extraction lab from scratch or you just need some replacement gaskets, Give them a call at 855-553-3887 or check out their website at www.bogart.com. Welcome to the Hemp Show Deep Dive. I'm Mark Ristelli, the host of the Hemp Show. With me, I've got Jessica Ferranti with STM Canna, and I've got Franco Smith, one of our team members, and we're just here to chat and have a good time. And we just we just got this conversation started when we jumped on when I jumped on with Jessica talking about your father in law's artwork on the wall, which is yes. killer. And I'm gonna have to post some pictures of this. Yeah, <laughs> when I'm gonna definitely have to post some pictures of this because super cool stuff. I always, I'm a big, big fan of art. Sorry that we started the conversation that way, but no. uh, I, when I saw it, I was like, I got to get that stuff on my wall. Yeah, no, don't be. I felt the same way. It's for, it's actually neat. He, um, like I said, for the most part today, you know, he really just paints for fun, but at some point he did actually do some drawings for, uh, for Marvel many, many years ago. So oh, lots really? of to be sure to send some stuff over to you. Wow. That is awesome. But I want to get into the most important thing that we could talk about here, which is what we were just talking about because your wife is 39 weeks and we'll get into hemp stuff later, but your <laughs> wife's 39 weeks and she's having contractions right now. So you have a baby that's about to pop. Pretty much. Yes. All right. So if we, if we got to cut this short, if we got to just, just let me know, just honestly, you could just dip out at any time. You don't even have to say bye. Obviously I know the, no emergency. So do you know, uh, do you know boy or girl? We're actually having a little girl. Okay. Excellent. So you're gonna have a little, little crazy. You've already got little crazy man. I've, I've got a little <laughs> crazy man as well. And uh, I didn't, I didn't, haven't told you this yet because it's actually very new. Oh, but my wife is cute. 11 weeks. Mark, oh my gosh! Yep. Okay, so congratulations. Yep. So we're so oh yep. God. She's gonna be. She's gonna be popping. Uh, the the estimated date is nine nine. So we will, we will see how, how all that goes. Now, one of the things I don't want to, sorry, I know we're not even talking about hemp at all, but, and we will get there. Um, but I don't want to know the sex. I would rather not know, but she wants to know. And the problem was, huh? Is she going to find out and you're not going to know? Well, she wants to find out. I don't want to find out because there's very few surprises in life. And if I could do anything to make that special day any more surprising, I would be totally down for that. 
But she wants to know. And it's like, if you find out, then I guarantee I'm going to find out at some point because you're going to tell your mom, you're going to tell a friend, they're going to mess up and they're going to talk to me about it. Or we're going to receive a gift in the mail and that gift's going to be blue or, or pink. So one way or another, there's, there's zero chance that I make it seven months or, or whatever, six months uh, and not find out by somebody else screwing up. Yeah. The only way is to really just have your wife, maybe the only person to know. Right, because yeah, once it gets to the grapevine, it's it's gone. Yeah, <laughs> it'll come yeah. back. There's there's no surprises. It will I work think... its way around back to me one way or another. But yeah, congratulations, okay. and man, you are about to be in for a very interesting week. So oh, yeah. one of the <laughs> yeah. as you as you yeah. already know, one of the best best days of of your life. One of the best days of my life. I'm sure you've already had the best day of your life. About to have another second. Yeah, I'm, I am absolutely thrilled. Um, I'm even more excited too, that we have one boy, you know, we'll have one girl and it's just different, you know, having a little boy versus having a little girl, they're, they're different. And I'm just excited to kind of see her personality and all things come along with it. So yeah, I, I am elated. I'm, I'm on cloud nine. And what's yeah. nice about this meeting today is that while, you know, I have a wife downstairs in the middle of contractions during, you know, a little bit of a snowstorm, uh, it's better than the last time we talked when simultaneously I had someone doing the roof. <laughs> well, good thing you don't have all those. Like, yeah. I mean, you, you are, you do have a snow, you do are battling a snowstorm right now. Have you had any of the power issues, power outages that, I mean, half the country yeah. right now is, is yeah. kind of without power. They're sitting in freezing, freezing temperatures. It's crazy That's to watch tough. as, as it's like 70 degrees out here in California. Sorry. I don't mean to rub yeah. it in a little bit. It's okay. Well, Franco, well, Franco here he's in Cape town, South Africa. You're in you're in Cape Town. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No kidding. What's the weather like out there? Can't imagine uh, it's as bad as it is out here. It's been quite pleasant the last couple of weeks. Yeah, just uh, nice sunshiny days in there. So, but let's do this. Let's shift gears. Let's talk about hemp stuff, cannabis stuff, all the above. STM. Now, where I would like to start is I'd like to start where we met with. The marijuana show. So yeah. that was an interesting experience. And I will just give a synopsis and then we can kind of dive in there. But we sure. met about, was it now three years ago? It seems uh, like a lifetime ago. It 20? was I think it was 2017, right? It, yeah, actually, it, it must have been 2017 because it was the end. yeah, what it had to have happened around 2017 because my my son was born in 2016, and that was right on the time that I was living in Denver. Uh, to to go build STM out. It was and definitely 2017. My son was born in 2018, and my wife was pregnant when we were on the show. November of 2017 is when we met. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, all right, we Jessica and I got casted on the Hemp Show. The Hemp Show is for those of you that have not seen it. You can definitely check. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, the marijuana the marijuana show. We're on the Hemp Show. <laughs> oh man, I'm already messing up. I need to go smoke a bowl. But anyways. Um, all right. So we got on to the marijuana show. We had never met before. Um, it was hell. It was filmed out in Taos, New Mexico. So that winter we went out to Taos, New Mexico and it was freezing. We, we stayed at the whole, um, the whole crew, everybody that was there on the show stayed in an RV park where we all stayed in our own little, um, Airstream RVs 
which was very cool because we got to go after after all the filming was done we got to go hang out at a, and at a little campfire and kind of jam and chill and meet everybody and that's yeah. where that's where we became friends that's where we met yeah. um now the show the, sh- the the purpose of the show was uh to kind of get money pitch your business and get get funded um it was uh put on by uh, Wendy and Karen. So very, I still stay in touch with them. Um, you know, they're, they're, uh, I think they're, yeah, they're on the advisory board for, for Cantrade. So, yep. Yep. So, so they're, so they're still there, but that was a very interesting experience. I, I didn't know what to expect. And so what, what was it, what was it for you? The same, <laughs> definitely very interesting. Um, you know, I think nonetheless, it was certainly like a once in a lifetime experience. And I think that, um, one, one of my favorite sort of takeaways was that, you know, it was a unique opportunity and that we got to sort of meet each other when all of our companies were really in such early stages. And I found that to be really intriguing, um, that we got a chance to kind of learn where everyone's roots, you know, came from and, and how they sort of got to their, um, you know, to starting their business. And I think that at the end of the day, the, you know, like the relationships that that we got from from the the show, you know, I, I think uh, stay true to today. And I think that was one of the biggest values is just being able to to work alongside others, you know, pushing uh, to be successful in the cannabis space from scratch. And it's been right. really tremendous to kind of see everybody uh, progress, you know, over the last few years. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, one of the biggest takeaways from the show is just the relationships with the people. Right, that we that we gained on there. I mean, not not everybody. I'm not tight with everybody on the show, but uh, you know, tight with you. We we chat not as often as we should, but we we chat several times a year. Um, I still stay in touch with uh, Heather, with with Chris. Um, I stay in touch a lot with Todd with Hard Hard Car Security. So yeah, very very interesting. Um, had a blast. I mean, it was it's crazy because you mentioned life once in a lifetime experience. In all reality, if we didn't do it, how it would just make our lives more boring, you know? It for sure. Yeah. That this is, you know, um, I mean, for one, I I don't know. I, I love to travel. Um, luckily, you know, I've been blessed with STM where I have been able to travel obviously before you know COVID hit. Um, I was traveling all over the place, but I don't think that had this experience, you know, not, not occurred that I would have ever been to New Mexico. Um, or had the opportunity even to go, you know, so that yeah. was really being out in the desert and, um, I, you know, it's, and, and to being on set, you know, um, is an experience in, in its own, you know, and filming and, and having sort of somewhat reality show, somewhat scripted, somewhat just craziness thrown together. Yeah. Well, you, know, you, you mentioned, fun. you mentioned on set now, um, I want to talk about one thing. So it wasn't necessarily all set because it was at Wendy and Karen's house in Taos, New Mexico, which yeah. we need to do. We need a virtual walkthrough of that house that people can take when they're watching this episode, because if, all right, before we mention anything about, about it, I thought the place was very cool. I thought it was, I thought it was incredibly cool, incredibly interesting, very unique. Now for everybody who's listening or to this, Picture the Lord of the Rings Hobbit house. Picture that. And then what that would look like if humans were living in it. Too. Lots of crystals. Very, yeah, very, um, 
I don't know. I couldn't even describe it. I think honestly, a virtual walkthrough would be the only way, but just unique. One, one of my favorite parts actually to the house, aside from just the wide open space to me that it just breeds such like fresh air. And I don't know, you just feel so like natural and, and not um, sort of like constricted. But one of my favorite parts of the house is at nighttime, right? They're right in the middle of the desert and they had that giant, giant glass, um, kind of like half circle glass at the top back of the house. And when it was nighttime, you just saw the sky shine through there, you know, moon and all, just like almost like right in front of your face. And it, it just lit up the room. Uh, I mean, yeah, that that's always intrigued me. This was uh, was definitely something that I think I'll remember for for a lifetime. Just in that, I, I also really love to see like unique houses with unique architecture, and that house just. That's something that stands out in, in your mind forever. You don't see something like that and forget. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you remember, because we we're out in Taos, New Mexico, and there's very little light pollution, I wanted to see the stars really bad the whole time we were there. Because I'm a, yeah. I I love looking up in the sky. I've got I've got telescopes. I think there's one behind me. Um, but yeah, I I do that constantly. So I even monitor, check out Jupiter, Saturn all the time. But there was a damn full moon every time and it's really hard to see the stars when there was a there's basically a full moon for or not totally full but but pretty full for several days so that killed my stargazing but i want to give everybody a, a bit more of a visual of the place so, all right so picture a dome large large dome shaped house um kind of like uh oh, i want to say it's um oh what's it called not el adobe the kind of the mud style like um South American kind of feel to it, but inside is an enchanted forest. The entire house is kind of one open dome where all of the rooms lead off from the central, from the central dome space. And they all still kind of connect. They never actually go into kind of their own room. Like even if you're in the master bedroom, there's still kind of like an opening to the dome in a sense, not necessarily an opening you can walk through, but an opening you could see through. So the dome, it had this very open feel to it, but there's an enchanted forest uh, in the middle with, uh, with a, had a cool koi pond in the middle. Yeah, so, oh my God. In the middle of the house. What I love too, there's a lot of like, um, uh, almost kind of like, like a lot of rocks that almost looked like it was, there were parts of the house that had like natural caves. So it wasn't like a cave opening. It's like the natural feel to it was so neat and all yeah all the, the like the lush greenery it yeah it was it was it kind of reminded me what was that that movie with polish or biodome <laughs> yeah yeah I, just just like the the openness that you're in an environment within another environment and yeah it, it was really cool i literally just watched a movie about biodome the the the, the was, movie was, biodome was, and then about the real biodome the, the uh, Dallas, right are you talking about the crazy one where there was a lot yeah, of oh yeah, they just came out. That that was the one. Yeah, I saw that one. I also saw a different one too. That was more about the movie than and not, less about the dome. Very very interesting. But all right, jumping jumping off that jumping off that topic. We so that's where we met. We met in Taos, New Mexico, about three years ago with a very interesting, unique experience. And then from then, we've just stayed in contact. So um, you know, me with with my edible brand, Highway Brand, um, and then Can Trade, and then now one of our affiliates with can trade what we're doing right now today, the hemp show 
And then you have been with STM Canna the entire time since then. So uh, if you, if you listen to the previous hemp show where we were on for 15 minutes, so a lot of, some people, you know, will know a bit about STM, but tell me about STM. Tell me about how you got into the cannabis space in general, what that experience has been like. And then I'll have a thousand questions for you once we, once we <laughs> get back. Oh, it's invading. Okay. Uh, yeah, no worries. So um, what STM does just a quick synopsis, we are a cannabis equipment manufacturing company. Uh, primarily our focus is on hemp and marijuana post harvest processing. So basically that means that anything, you know, once the flower is cultivated, you know, dried and cured, uh, any process following that is what we start to, you know, like develop new technologies for. We're mostly known in the market for, you know, pre-roll machines and grinders and things of that nature. How did I get in the space? Uh, you know, that, that was purely intentional. I, I went out of my way to find, you know, my, my own place in the industry. Uh, I have been a consumer since my early, early teens. And for me, I, you know, when I was younger, which was only, which was only like eight years ago, right? I always joke around. Anytime someone says something that ages, I always, I always come back with some stupid comment like that. Well, honestly, I stopped counting the years. I'm, I'm 29 and I had, I had started and I wasn't a heavy smoker by any means, but I started like trying, you know, when I was 13, I started really smoking around like the age of 15, uh, more like consistently. But, you know, when you're young, you don't, especially you know, the environment was very different with marijuana back in the day. Uh, and hemp wasn't even a thing. You just right? steal it from your older brother like me. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. No, 100%. <laughs> it's a supply that's always there. It's You always know where it's at. You just got to be very careful about, about not letting it know. I was lucky enough that my my older brother, uh, he he was totally uh, okay with sharing. So I, I never had to take. There was There was always just, you know, a stock available, which was really that's nice. A- very nice older brother. I, he was, he was amazing. But uh, yeah, so when I was around 15, I started, you know, consuming more on like a, a more frequent basis. And, you know, when you're younger, again, the environment was very different. So med- medicinal cannabis, you know, was really not something that was like prevalent uh, anywhere, especially on the East Coast in New Jersey, you know, where, where I had grown up in my older years. And, um, you know, I think for me, I, I believed at the time I was just smoking recreationally. And so as I got older and I understood more, you know, about the, the medicinal, you know, components of, of marijuana and, um, you know, all the different ways that cannabinoids, you know, play into your overall well-being and health. It was at that time that I started to understand all of that, that I realized, you know, I've suffered from depression most of my life. And so now I kind of look back and realize that the marijuana was really sort of like my kind of guiding light as far as understanding more about myself and, and mental health. And, and that, you know, now I realize more than ever that I was really using it medicinally without realizing, you know? So that was quite interesting to me. And the more and more I, I started to understand, you know, um, just the power of, of cannabis as a whole, hemp, marijuana, you know, the, the whole plant itself, the more I want to be involved. I didn't know how I wanted to be involved. I didn't know, frankly, frankly, uh, had I known these opportunities would have been on the horizon, I probably would have went to school for something like this. I went to school for cooking. Right. For cooking. Well, even then, even then, when you went to school for it, it's not like much actually existed related to it, unless you got into no. a field that could transfer over. Like, 
you know, let's say, yeah, like biomedical, biomedical something, you know, some chemistry stuff, horticulture type things. I did ag business, which I guess oh. technically works, right? But it had nothing to do with the right. act of cannabis. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, because I had I had I known, right, that that was an opportunity, I probably would have, you know, gone straight into, you know, learning more of, of more things that, that would relate to this business. But, you know, at the time, gosh, I was 19 in college you know, in, in Miami. The last thing I would have ever anticipated is that cannabis would be its industry, you know, like a full on powerhouse industry and that I would have the opportunity to be involved. So in, in earlier in my career, it, it wasn't even a, a blimp on my radar. It was just something yeah. I, I used for medical recreational purposes, you know, self, you know, diagnosed in that sense and in, in terms of being able to use it for medicinal purposes. Uh, and I really just spent my time uh, just teaching others, like anyone that was willing to listen I'd be willing to, to talk to them and teach them about cannabinoids, you know, your CB1, your CB2 receptors and, you know, the homeostasis that, that, um, you know, these, these natural plants um, are able to put you in. So, you know, I had such a, a deep passion for it, but I didn't really have an outlet. And then over the years I got into sales and uh, I just found a passion for startups. Um, this is when you were, uh, this is when you started selling marijuana, when you're talking about, cause you, cause you were talking about marijuana. And then as you say, I got into sales. I'm like, okay, what kind of sales? <laughs> Probably elaborate for those listening. No, no. I got into sales actually to help pay for my, my the catering business. I started when I was like 21 or 22, I came home to New Jersey from Miami and I was hell bent on starting a catering company, but you know, I was a naive 22 year old kid. I didn't really know. Um, I didn't really know how to raise money, you know, and, and how to fund my business properly. And frankly, I started to lose interest when, you know, when I was living in Miami and, and I was doing all these like celebrity parties and all this exciting different events, I actually did some stuff with, with the NFL. I found I had so much, um, I had so many things that were exciting to me. And when I moved back to Jersey, it was like, there's not, unless I move, I go to New York city, which now you're talking a much bigger investment and, uh, you know, you need a lot more resources for that. Jersey catering wasn't super exciting to me. So I started doing some sales in the meantime, uh, I started insurance sales and then I think that was ultra exciting. You know what? No, no, you don't No, Nothing negative. You know, I, I think for a lot of people, it, it's not exciting. Um, but for me, it was different. Um, I, I never, ever saw myself as someone in sales, especially not someone who kind of wore a suit. I was a chef, you know, I was used to being in the back with everyone that's tattooed, smoking weed and, and cooking, you know, in the middle of the night, like that, that was the sort of environment I was used to. But when I got into sales and I started particularly working in insurance, what really, um, what I really found was two things. Number one, you know, I truly, I've always enjoyed helping people. Um, and so, you know, insurance, like, oh, that's not a big deal. But I was working for Aflac, the, the duck. And I think literally when you said Aflac, yeah. everybody just instantly Aflac. pictured the Aflac duck in their head. Doing, doing the Aflac, great, great marketing. I mean, a little bit crazy, but it was, it was damn good marketing. But the one thing about, you know, selling that kind of insurance was that I was helping people who, you know, um, would be under stress with like medical bills and uh, their families would like suffer really severely financially without these types of programs. So it was just an opportunity for me to educate people and, and help make sure their families were financially stable, you know, should, should something happen. So 
it wasn't to me like I'm selling car liability insurance. I was selling things to cancer patients, you know, to, to people, to everyday people as well. But I found a lot of, a lot of empowerment in that. And the other thing I found is that uh, I always knew I was competitive. I didn't really foresee myself ever being competitive um, in a professional manner. You know, I was always kind of competitive in sports and, and I mean, generally other things, but, you know, never, never in a work capacity. And in my first year, um, I don't know how I was a hungry kid, but uh, my first year I became number one in the state and I beat out like every senior um, worker there. Like even the guys have been there for like 45 years, I, I beat them out and ended up like talking on stage and everything, which terrified me. I have terrible stage fright. And I just found. You do great. You do great though. Thank you. you do- Thanks so much. The people in the audience never have any idea how nervous you are. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Unless you tell them. So never tell them that. So just delete the last couple minutes. They'll never know. <laughs> That's at least the hope. But yeah, I just found it's like, you know, I got I got to enjoy what I was doing. I, I got to uh I got an opportunity to um teach people, you know, like like be in some in, in education in some form. I got a chance to talk to people, be social, which I also love. At the same time, I got to be really competitive and and um I found a lot of ways early on that the company was like missing a lot of things, like a lot of tools that could help the salespeople sell better. And so because they didn't exist, I created them. And so I like kind of built my own business in that sense around like, just like generally how it operates. Like you're very independent in that sense. Like they give you some things and then you're kind of on your own. So I built, you know, everything that I needed and, and, uh, I was like, wow, I kind of really enjoy building stuff from scratch. And from there, I worked in investments. And real, then- real, real quick, real quick, before we jump off that, it, yeah. it seems to me like it's you, you use competitive as, as the word. I don't necessarily know if I don't quite like see it as you being that competitive. It seems like you are just a doer. Like, especially when you come into this business, you come into these new businesses and you see that they're lacking certain things these things are going to make them better and they're going to make them more competitive in the market. Mm-hmm. But you like to just fix those things. You're like a, like a people process person. Thanks. Yeah. That, that's definitely a different way to look at it. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, sure. I, I, that's a good point. I mean, I, I'm definitely competitive, but um, someone recently actually tried to change my perspective on that too and said, you know, yes, you're competitive, but I think it's more just ambitious, you know, and, I have a one of my biggest challenges is I try to be ambitious and be a hundred percent in every aspect of my life. And, you know, when you're running a company uh, that's growing, you know, very fast and you have, you know, a, a small child at home and another one on the way and, you know, there's a lot going on. It, it's tough to be hundred percent at all times, but um, I do my best and, and I enjoy consistently getting myself to the next level. I enjoy getting myself into um, you know, places that help me sort of thrive and, and learn and, and grow my abilities and skill sets. So improving yourself, improving yourself, improving the people around you, improving your business. I mean, yeah. that's honestly, there's this one real commonality that I've seen between uh, a lot of people that are very driven, that are running businesses is they're constantly seeking those things. They're constantly seeking, you know, further education, right? When, when nighttime rolls around, it's not, Hey, let's throw on, you know, six straight hours of television and just let our brain kind of rot to mush. It's what can I do to progress 
my business, myself, my family, you know, from this day to the next day, right? I, my mind is, you know, like I, I try to go in the, in the shower sometimes and it's like somebody I used to work with was telling me like, I come up with my best ideas, you know, in the shower, in the bath. And, and honestly, I actually had to create, I had to buy a waterproof notepad to put in my shower. Cause every time I'm like, you know what, what's that? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And yeah, so it's like every time I'm in the shower, I'm like, all right, I'm, you know what? I'm going to take like 10, 15 minutes to turn my brain off and, you know, relax for a few minutes. Like I'll put some essential oils in the shower and I put them in and, you know, last uh, a long time, about two minutes. And then uh, immediately it's so strange. It's you like, around. you, even when you, you're like, I had the killer idea. I had a killer idea. What was it? And then you're like, oh, oh and you're trying to piece it back together, but it's gone. It's oh, <laughs> instant. And that's why I'm like, you know what? I, I need to get notes for this. So I got a notepad and now I write my stuff down. And let me tell you that person was right. Because I think of like a lot of my initiatives and different things I think of are in the shower in those, in those moments I'm trying to relax. Now, what I've noticed, because so I, I do exactly that. I don't do it in the shower. I, I, I noticed a few things. One, um, definitely, if I don't write it down, if I don't do it right away, it's gone. It, it only mm-hmm. maybe have I maybe have like a few minutes of grace period. Sometimes I can remember it in the past, or sorry, in the future. Sometimes, yeah. but for the most part, I can't remember the idea in its entirety and how it would work together. Uh, the second thing that I notice is that it helps you to filter through bad ideas as well. Because as long as you get all the ideas on paper, you know, something that you're super excited about one day mm-hmm. and, and I got it on paper and then I review it a week later. And I'm like, ah, that's not so good. And if I'm not happy, if I'm not still jazzed about it a week later or two weeks later, or hell, if I'm not still jazzed about it six months later, it probably wasn't a good idea. Yeah. But, yeah. Fine. It's like, I, I think a lot of um, initiatives, like different things to do and launch, but also I find the biggest, most prevalent um, thing that happens, I find solutions to issues that are plaguing me, mostly company-wise, you know? Um, and so I think a lot of it's because, you know, you're you're in the mode, of, I'm in the mode at least, of sort of attempting to like meditate and clearing my mind. And, you know, if you're familiar generally with meditation, right, when you clear your mind, when you're self-aware, when you have mindfulness, your brain is able to sort of kind of cleanse itself. And then, you know, your, your brain is able to do the work to contemplate and and come up with better ideas and and work through solutions. So I think there's a very clear um, connection, you know, between trying to meditate and be mindful and coming up with all these solutions. It's just ironic because, you know, I'm at that point, I'm trying to relax. And instead I'm right. is like, Oh my God, we could do this. Oh, we could do this. And I'm like, can I just shower? Like, right. why? I, I'm totally with you there. I've got kind of two forms of, of meditation slash clearing the mind that I do every morning. I work out like a maniac. So I hit the gym this morning at six and I've been going crazy ever since, but that helps to slow my mind down because otherwise too much energy, too much in it. The second one is actual meditation, you know, trying to do tons mm-hmm. of different things. One, one is yoga style meditation. Others are actual like intentional meditation where I'm either listening to something or walking myself through some type of meditation routine, all yeah. with the purpose of trying to. Now, those ones I struggle to do more. I, str- I struggle to do as often just because the mind-based items. 
Well, it, it, for me, a lot of the times it's, it's trying to get over like, the, okay, I need to spend, I, I need to clear my mind. There's too many things in it. I'm running a mile a minute and nothing is actually getting done because I'm giving my mental attention to 10 different things at the same time, as opposed to focusing all on one thing at one in one instant. Right. So I realized that I need to do it, but then I'm always like, well, it's going to take 10 minutes or it's going to take 15 minutes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have the time. Like, so that one I, I struggle to, but when there's something else attached to it, where it's like I said, working out now, working out different type of meditation um, or, or yoga has a little bit more. So that's more, it's because of bringing the physical and the mental together. So when it's strictly mental, I struggle more in actually doing those things. I, I can actually relate to that quite a bit. Uh, the reason I do, I, I try to meditate sometimes in the shower is because I, I do feel like I need, I kind of need like complete, um, like sub, submersion, you know, uh, in, in like what I'm doing. It, it's tough for me just like to stop and just meditate in a random space. Like the, the shower, the noise in the shower tends to help, right? Like the background noise. The physical stimulation else, of the heat and the water on your body. Yeah. I mean, that's case, nobody's coming in the... Exactly. Exactly. Right. You're able to kind of create your own environment in that sense and, and not, not get as distracted, at least with external things in your environment. Right. Yeah. For me, I have a harder time doing like the physical stuff without, without having something else involved. So like, for example, I am, uh, I, it's not that I, I don't like working out. Like I definitely don't mind it, but it's harder for me to just do it unless it's sort of like, um, uh, tied into something else. Like for example, I can work out all day if I'm playing sports and work. Oh out. yeah. That's <laughs> where that competitiveness pops in right there. Yeah. To like lift weights or just sit there and like do crunches is honestly the most like boring shit to me ever. Yeah. I, I, I have a hard time staying like my mind runs, you know, constantly like I'm, you know, I'm doing a million things at once. So I feel like it doesn't, it's not mentally stimulating enough for me. So I have to find other ways and be creative as to how out. And yeah. so, that you know so you know you know what i think it comes down to jessica's is uh is so there's a lot of studies kind of done on this and uh but gamification and this is what a lot of businesses try to implement especially apps like apps try to do gamification all the time but the reason i say that is because i am totally with you i've the reason i'm so uh let's say uh, i I work out so hard and i do so much physical activity is because i've done it my whole life and it's right. always been because it's been attached to some type of a game and sports is easy because that's competitive nature kicking in. You want to be the best. So you're going to train the hardest and compete against the best. But for me, it started with skateboarding. So I was a skater kid and you know, my, my buddy over there, we, we go out skating. I want to do the best trick. I want to jump that 10 stair. Like, so that was part of the athleticism, the gamification, just developing the physical activity uh, while I was younger. But nowadays, and the reason I the reason I say gamification is because I could not, for the life of me, walk into a Globo gym and you know sit there. Everybody puts their headphones on and just work out for. I want to work out for two hours. We got we got bench and back, chest and you know whatever. Um, it's, they're like it's leg day, and I'm like. Oh my gosh. Interesting what you're talking. I will listen all day and I respect it, but to me, it, it stops there. Like, right. 
If so, you can't, like, I will listen, but and it'll be entertaining, but I, I, I won't have the same interest in doing it myself. Yeah. So, so the reason I say, so now I can't do that, but that's why I do CrossFit. Now, CrossFit, okay. I like it. The, re- the reason, though, the reason, though, is because game of So when you work out at a CrossFit gym, they write your scores on the board. And then if you go there consistently, you know everybody at the gym and you kind of feed off them. They feed off you. And so, so I'll give you an example. So like today, this morning, 6am, how to work out, um, workout consisted of a warm up, a little bit of strength stuff. So we, today we did some snatches, but then at the very end, they have the wad, the workout of the day. And, um, today's one was a hard one and everybody in the gym is doing the exact same workout. And the workout is, it's typically either scored off like the amount of reps you complete or the time you complete the workout in. So there's always something that's tangible that you write up on the board that you're battling the people in the gym, you know, that are, that are comparable to you. So that's why I love doing it. I go there because of the gamification. It's really the same thing as going to Globo gym, but in this case, I'm battling against my peers. We're making each other better. It's a secondary activity. See, now I could do something like that in the sense that there, since there's a secondary activity to it, I'm more apt, you know, to, to try something like that. The only problem is, um, I mean, listen, I like to try new things all the time, but I know unless I was extremely dedicated that it, it would take me a long time to beat anybody on that list. And that would just beat, beat me up probably mentally for a little while. Oh, see, see, you're, you're starting off, you're starting off with a mental barrier. No matter where you go in, you're going to have, no matter where you go in, you're going to have people that are comparable to you. You don't have to, you don't have to shoot for the stars right away. Right. Just incremental steps. You know me. Right. But you're talking about, you're talking about if I can't get to the stars, I'm not going to go at all. Right. But <laughs> if you shoot for the stars, you might not hit the stars, but you might hit the moon. You might hit Mars. Heck, we just okay. hit Mars I, yesterday. <laughs> I'm well aware of how terrible that sounds. But I, I think at the end of the day, if it was something that, okay, I'll tell you, I'll give you an example. Uh, I, I try to stay, instead of working out my body, uh, luckily, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm still 29, you know, and I have some time to, whip myself into shape. So I'm fully aware that I, I need to work out and I need to get better. I did very well in the summer when I was working out, I was running, I was running like someone was chasing me down the block. But uh, the second the weather kicked in and it was snowing, you know, my ass was inside. So I have to find some, some sort of alternative, mm-hmm. but uh, I do focus on like working my brain out, you know, as corny as it may sound, I do because my, my brain is my most important muscle. So I, um, I don't think what you just said right there. I don't think people understand that one or, or relate to that one as much as they should, because your brain is your most important muscle. And just like, just like going to the gym, you need to work your brain out. Yeah, it's true. You know, the, your brain, even when it comes to mindfulness, the way I often explain it to people. And when I, when I was really um, frequently meditating and I had more time and, you know, before kids, of course, uh, not an excuse. I'm getting back to it. But when I was able to really do it without any interruptions that, you know, I, I, I did, I found myself so elevated in terms of my, my career, my, my mental capacity, you know, I mean, it, it, it's so powerful. And the analogy that I give is you wouldn't leave your car running right outside all day 
every day. Because what it eventually happens, your, your your car would die, right? You'd burn out. Uh, your brain's the same thing. When you yeah. go to sleep, your brain is still going through REM. Um, you know, your your body is resting, but virtually your brain is not. You're going through REM, you're dreaming. Um, there's still a lot of cognitive things that are going on at the time that that doesn't really give your brain that type of rest. So like mindfulness and meditation, um, that's you that's you turning off the ignition, you know? And I found yeah. so so often that when when you focus on that part of your mind, even if that's all that you do is just meditation. Um, I mean, it it really does affect every you know part of your your mind, body, you know, your being. Um, and it translates, right. you know, to work and personal. So yeah, I put more, I, I will admittedly say that I put a lot more emphasis towards um, you know, my mental health and, and my, like, um, my, my brain strength and, 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 and functioning capacity there than I have uh, physical. So now that I have that, you know, sort of down physicals next. The O Cannabis Conference and Expo returns to Toronto June 1st through the 3rd, and there are still good booth locations available. This exciting event is free for cannabis retailers and will feature Tommy Chung, receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award at the O'Cannabis Industry Awards. For more information about exhibiting or to register to attend, go to ocannabis.com. That's O-C-A-N-N-A-B-I-Z.com. Right. Your, I, think your analogy was, I think your analogy was spot on. The way I've always looked at it is I do all these things to work out my body when I was, in, when I was an athlete. And... Mm-hmm but I don't do the same things to work out my mind. And if you don't, if you can't figure out mindfulness and being able to kind of control your mind, your mind controls you. So if you have, like I said earlier, you've got hundreds of things going on in your head, your mind is controlling you. If you can't shut those things off and you can't shut your mind off, then you have no control over your mind. And in that case, it's very hard to be productive, to get certain things done, all the above. But that's the way, the way I've looked at it for a while. And, and I struggle with it every day, every day. It's, 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 just, it's a constant battle. Absolutely. I mean, you can work out all you want. Um, and I think working out is really powerful too, because there's, there is a form of meditation in working out in itself, you know? So I think there's a lot of power and that's why, you know, I've, I've held a lot of weight towards improving, like, you know, my physical health that way, but you know, mental strength is, it's just, it's different. And I think, you know, as you age, right, your body ages and you might lose some, some of the, you know, physical things you had when you were younger, but, you know, Oh, that's happening. <laughs> I'm nearing my thirties. I, I'm, I get oh, it. You haven't, even, you haven't even crossed the 30 threshold. Oh, I will this year. So well, that's it. Once, once I, once I cross, there's no going back. Yeah. There's no going back. That's everybody. We, we're only going one direction. We haven't figured out how to go backwards. But okay, so we got off on a giant tangent. Um, yes, but I do recall where that tangent came from. And just before we get back to that, uh, I just want to make, make one comment. Uh, earlier, you mentioned when was the when was the first time you smoked weed? How old were you? Um, Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. Okay. So I was twelve. Now I look back and it's like kind of disturbing to me that I was that young, right? but, but I was a kid. I was 13. I was at a party with older kids and, you know, smoked a, a, my first joint and literally just laid on the trampoline and watched the stars all night. And I can't say that I was upset about it. 
Well, so, so I find it interesting and, you know, don't advocate for any children smoking. There's, there's evidence that brains aren't fully developed and uh, you know, it should definitely not happen until your brains are fully developed and you're at an age where you are educated about what you're, what you're smoking. But I know so many people, I've talked to so many people that, that are predominant people. We're talking business owners, um, you know, very highly productive people that smoked in their early teens, you know? So it's not the end of the world, right? So parents, parents, just to note, if there's any parents listening here, don't, don't steer them in that direction. Just saying it's not the end of the world. You don't need to throw the hammer down. If, if uh, your 12 or 13 year old is smoking at a young age, there is a high likelihood that they will turn out just fine. So yes. sorry, just want to, just want to say that real quick because I found it interesting how many people that I've, uh, encountered. But anyways, the tangent that we got off on was the ideas that come to you in the shower when you're trying to fix problems, problems related to the business, to STM. And, you know, this is the deep dive. We, like I said, there's no, there's no formula. We don't even have to talk about hemp, but wanted to kind of get us back there to, to where you got in the space. You basically said you talk about sales and then fixing problems and just started falling in love with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so I fell I fell in love with a, a number of things. I fell in love with education. Um, I fell in love with, you know, with, with sales in general and that competitive and, and ambitious, you know, environment. Um, and I I more so even fell in love with just the ability, you know, to kind of like play to my creative side. I think in culinary, that was something that uh, play to all those same sort of strengths. Like for example, you know, you're cooking, you get to create, you know, different new recipes and, you know, create your, your, your plating, right. And, and, and presentation. Um, and there's also a lot of, of course, like business aspects to it when you own your own catering company and whatnot. And, um, uh, I found, you know, as I progressed in my, in my sales career, that a lot of those same things and, and skill sets I, I had, um, prior, I was able to apply. And the way that I found, I think kind of my niche was when I was working early in insurance and in catering. And like I said, I had to create everything, you know, on my own from scratch. And I fell in love with that part was now I'm able to be creative, but in a totally different aspect, in a totally different way uh, and, and apply it, you know, towards something I, I hadn't really ever thought of uh, earlier. So you know, I found as I moved from company to company that like I had a passion for like coming into a company that either didn't provide a lot of structure or was a startup. And so I worked in different industries from like uh, insurance and investments to voice over IP uh, to um, like artificial intelligence and recruiting. I just kind of jumped around every. That's a pretty wide spectrum right there. Yeah, it was. And the whole goal for me was that like, I love learning. So I just wanted to learn everything. And I felt like the more I always knew I was going to be a business, whether it was a restaurant back in the day, you know, or, the cannabis business. I always knew I was going to be in business. So the primary thing for me was I have this opportunity to work in a bunch of different industries um, and learn, you know, and take from each of these companies and each of these different, you know, vastly different industries and take that experience and apply it to something that I love. So I was able to take concepts that don't exist in certain industries and apply them to others to produce solutions. That were out of the box, you know, because they were from yeah. somewhere else. So I found it, I found my gosh, like that's that's really where um, you know, a lot of passion of mine is. And 
you know, I, I, I'm still young and, and I don't know per se, like what I'll be doing as I move through my career, you know, over the years. You know, I love STM. I, I don't know if I'll be here for another 20 years or so. You know, I, I tend to work with startups and eventually, you know, move on to another startup. But I think uh, just being able to work and and have the opportunity with like I do with STM, where same thing, I, I came into the company where it was just an idea and a concept. And I was able to, you know, do what I love, which is build, take an idea, you know, um, and, and transfer it, you know, from idea and concept all the way through to revenue. And uh, yeah, it's been exciting. And I know you asked earlier how I got there, right? Right, right. Well, I just, I mean, to, to comment on that, I mean, it's what a no better industry for that. I mean, 10 years ago, what was there, right? You, you get into an industry, like, let's just say, I'm going to go into the beverage, the alcohol industry, you know, beverages. Yeah. Um, and like, they've got legacy systems, right? It's kind of done one way. There's only so much innovation that's happening. But when you talk about cannabis, we talk about hemp, we're talking about something that's been, it's had its in- innovation stifled for a long time. So Absolutely. there was so much progression that needs to be done or that had to be done and still needs to be done. There's new technologies being created all the time, right? Then there's uh, kind of a different look because we're starting from scratch in a lot of cases with the industry. So you don't have to deal with legacy systems nearly as much as you would have to in basically any other industry that makes money. Also, it's just a great place for someone that's creative and driven to be. Yeah, I I kind of... um... I, I look at the cannabis industry akin to like the world, the boom with like the World Wide Web, you know, it, just the tech boom. Um, I mean, yeah, you're in a new industry where, you know, it, it's obviously very different in that, um, well, maybe n- not as different. You know, I think a lot of regulations, I mean, we're still trying to regulate, you know, social media companies and, and you know, deal with oh, the new yeah. technology age. But there's still a lot of, you know, there's a lot less restrictions there versus, some of the restrictions that we deal with in the cannabis space, but it is such a unique opportunity in that I'm working at a startup in a startup industry. Uh, we're all working at startups in a startup industry. Yeah. That, that is something incredibly unique. And it's not something that is like a small, minute industry. It's not something that's kind of, you know, facing issues where it's it, you know, like, like um, you know, progress is being stifled. Of course, there are limitations when it comes to, like, you know, federal legalization, things like that. But otherwise, no matter how, you know, much, uh, you know, the government or, you know, uh, opposition leaders in that sense uh, might try to stifle our growth. I mean, right, Americans have spoken and our, our industry is just, it's progressing at a speed, I think, much faster, um, you know, than, than really anything else, at least I've seen in my lifetime, you know. And, and uh you know, social media, there's obviously a lot of craziness going on there, but however, I don't think, I don't think this lot of go, what happened in this industry would be possible without it. I mean, out of sight, out of mind, if, if you didn't see, if you couldn't see what's going on with the possible health benefits, how many people are having really positive medical efficacy from using cannabis and hemp, if you didn't see that, or if it didn't hit it home for most people, it wouldn't have happened, but we live in the information era. So now the proverbial uh, cat's out of the bag. I, there's, there's no getting it back in. I mean, even, even with 
THC still being a uh, you know schedule one and with no technically you know no medical be- benefit technically right but according to the government it would be interesting to see if they try to reverse course or if yeah, anybody there's no I think there's a very important distinction there though there's no medical benefit per per the laws in which they're written in but there is medical benefit per the research that they've done. Yeah, right. I mean, there's the, don't, don't they have the don't they have the patent on it as a as a neuroprotectant? And yeah, so it's wow. yeah, it's very very interesting. But yeah, you know, it's it, it, it's very interesting. I think we're we're in um, we're in the best potential, you know, the, the best possible um, you know industry we could be in right now. Especially because again, it, like it plays into a lot of things that I love the education piece. Being a startup, you know, being the startup industry, uh, just all, Help, helping yeah. people. You're you're people. You're a people person. I, I like to think I am. Yeah, stage right, and not you know, not like to be in uh, public things that way. But yeah, I, I I enjoy you know being social. I I, I um, you know, I think that's a big part of like kind of like my humanity. You know, in a sense, connecting with others. So yeah, it's it's enjoyable. And that, that's probably why I enjoy sales too. Is that I'm able to connect with so many people. And actually, that's actually what I really love about sort of like my role with STM and, um, you know, some of the roles I've played in the past, which is that, um, you know, I think, I think it'd probably be a little miserable, you know, if I had to sit sort of in the back and not really get a chance to, um, to socialize, you know, and, and not just socialize, but like connect with others. And one of the beautiful parts of my role, you know, with STM in particular is that, I'm not just talking to my coworkers and, you know, my employees, um, you know, on a day-to-day basis. I'm, I am talking to, and this is really, really something that I, I truly love and enjoy. Um, one minute I'm talking to someone in South Africa. Uh, like I actually have a, a South African distributor. I was, I was just talking. Oh, well, to. you also have Franco. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, early in their day, I was talking to someone from Tennessee. Then I was talking to someone from California. Then I was talking to someone from Oklahoma. So it, it's it's something so unique, you know, Australia. So it, it's something so unique where the canvas industry is not just connecting people, you know, um, in like the traditional sense, you know, just like business to business. It's connecting people with a major underlying factor of cannabis in itself, which is a, a major, not only like social tool, but just just has so much power in itself, you know, and like in its medicinal properties, everything that cannabis means to the people, you know. That are here in the industry for the right reasons, but also the fact that you know the cannabis industry connects people who might have never been connected in any other capacity, and it connects them uh, worldwide. Right? I mean, I was talking to someone um, a couple weeks ago from Colombia. The, these are very unique. Um, I think a lot of industries you might talk, you know, to people in, in other regions, but it's different here because of what we're talking about. Right. You know. And yeah, that that's something that I've always found um, to be, you know, endearing within the the canvas space and my my role, you know, with STM. Well, I mean, one of the one of the number one ways to just come together, bring people together, is to find common ground. I mean, in a in a world where everything is so divided right now and so divisive, um, we would all be in a lot better position if we didn't keep spitting stuff at each other and trying to convert each other as opposed to finding common ground on the things that we do agree on and then you know talk as humans and progress from there but if we can agree on we both like weed then 
that's a place to start, right? It's, it's hard to battle somebody when after smoking a joint with them, you know, around a campfire, like that's, that's your friend now. Hell, you're, you might be best friends. doesn't matter what your political party is. Yeah. Yeah. It breaks down, it breaks down uh, social norms and, and social barriers that would otherwise exist. And you know, what's funny is that a few months ago, um, obviously we've had a very tumultuous uh, last few years, but you know, in terms of like, you know, political you know, divisiveness and everything going on. But one thing I found especially, you know, interesting in a way is that a lot of the the big issues, um, you know, that that, you know, all sides of the political spectrum tend to think are unique to their own like political party. A lot of these things that appear like there's total different opinions. They I forget which organization, so forgive me, but some massive like organization or university did a massive study, um, you know, across political spectrums, across the whole country, and found that a lot of the major issues that most people argue about, when it comes down to what those issues actually mean and what people are trying to achieve with them, both sides actually wanted the same exact thing. Not with all issues, so certainly things that didn't matter, but some of the bigger issues that we would think, and, and we're made to kind of think that there's a lot of divisiveness happening, um, the core of it, people agree upon. And that's so crazy because, you know, we're, we're in an environment, you know, where, um, you know, uh, divisiveness makes news and, and, you know, intriguing, uh, intrigues people's need for, for some sort of like weird twisted entertainment. So I, I think, you know, that's the one beautiful thing about cannabis. It brings us together and, uh, it is hard. It's hard to, it's hard to be mad at someone when you just smoke the joint with them. You know, it breaks down, <laughs> down, uh, you know, I, I don't, I often, I go back to this too, you know, people, especially who oppose marijuana uh, or, or hemp, you know, cannabis as a whole is, you know, uh, how many people do you know, you know, that smoked a joint and then got into a fist fight, right. As opposed to like being at a bar, you know, getting into a fist fight. Um, you know, you, you meet people from all, all uh, areas of the world and you're able to bond over something that is not just general common ground it's common ground over something that can literally change the world and i don't feel like that's corny in any way to even say that because truly we know that plants and and you know um different species of plants can can literally change the world which is one thing i've been doing a lot of research into and as another uh passion which is like psilocybin so things like that 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 could open up a can of worms because that that looks like I mean, that appears to be kind of the next cannabinoid, as in it's not a cannabinoid, but what I mean is uh, yeah. with with THC being legal in a lot of different states and CBD being legal nationally via the, the farm bill and, and stuff like that, um, you know, it's, it's yeah, well, I mean, it's been decriminalized, what, in, in Oakland. So yep. it's starting to, the first step, similar to how cannabis went, was decriminalization, um, then establishing kind of legal medical use and then eventually possibly, you know, recreational, recreational use in markets. But yeah, I've been, I've been kind of very interested in that one and it seems like it's going to go that route. Although, um, at least when I look at it, it seems like it's probably going to go, it's going to be definitely more controlled. I mean, believe me, you have too much psilocybin and it can be a hell of a lot worse yeah. than having too much THC. I just got an email from Cantrade about my products. <laughs> oh, you did? I did. Um, you better make sure they look good. 
I know. You're going to answer that. That's an important email. I think you should I know, talk about No, um, you know, I think with, with psilocybin, I think 100% it's, it's going to be not the new cannabis in terms of it being, you know, similar to cannabis or anything in that, in that realm, but um, very similar in the sense that there'll be like this big boom and it'll be, it's almost its own industry. The only challenge that I really foresee, um, you know, with, within the psilocybin space is that um, because it, it has a lot of, um, there, there is, you know, uh, a lot more risk to it, not in the sense that people are dying, but like you said, you know, it had to be in more controlled environments. Um, unless people are microdosing, of course, which right. we wouldn't have to worry about that. For the, the hero's journey. <laughs> the hero's journey. I think, I think the unfortunate part is, is that, um, you know, the one of the unfortunate aspects of cannabis legalization, bear with me here, is that it led the way to psilocybin, but because the cannabis industry has been so formalized in many ways, um, it kind of like gave, you know, a lot of these larger like pharmaceutical companies kind of like the confidence that they know psilocybin will be coming soon. And so I think it'll be very much, um, it's not going to, I don't, and I don't know, but I don't really foresee it being something that uh, will be kind of open to everybody like cannabis has been. It's yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot more closed off. It's going to be a lot more heavily regulated um, risk reasons. Other one is uh, cultivation reasons. I mean, the dealing with uh, what is it? Uh, Mycorrhizal. um, Is that it? I think that's right. But basically dealing with how you cultivate mushrooms is it's, you need a far more sterile environment. Um, It's not like, you know, weed and hemp where you just, or cannabis and hemp slash hemp where you're just tossing it in the ground and, let mother nature do the work. Obviously that's not the way to grow the best blend, but that in a lot of, in a lot of, uh, in a lot of regions and a lot of soil types that will work. Yeah, no, that, that's true. It's also, it grows in the mountains at the end of the day. I mean, so, do, so do mushrooms, but of course there, there are different implications to, you know, something that, um, you know, it's grown incorrectly. I mean, it's honestly the same thing kind of with, with, you know, hemp and marijuana. I mean, there's a lot of like, you know, like powdery mildew, you know, PM and, different things that can, can cause, you know, um, issues or have harmful effects. But yeah, I think that that's like the only downside in the sense is that, um, a lot of people are jumping in, um, from, you know, these massive corporations, but at the same time, it might not be a huge benefit to, um, you know, people who are looking to maybe have a business in there, but I do think it'll really greatly benefit, um, the consumer simply just due to, you know, access. And, um, I listened to this podcast the other day, actually my, my kid brother, me on to the Joe Rogan podcast. Your, um, your kid brother, episode. you mean, you, was this the one that you, uh, that gave you weed back in the day? No, no. Your kid brother. So not your big my, brother. Yeah, I know. This is my teenage brother. My oh, teenage oh, okay. So, so <laughs> teenage, so much younger. I just thought you were referring to one of your brothers, not the no. very young one. No, no. I have uh, uh, two older and, and one younger. My, oh. my younger brother is about 10 years younger uh, than me. He put me on to, the, to this one episode of, um, or the, he's been talking about the Joe Rogan podcast in general. And then, I don't know, I, I came across this one episode in particular uh, with a gentleman by the name of Paul Stamets. And he is like the leading mycologist, um, like one of the leading mycologists in the world. And I think it's episode like 1035. Um, I've, I've, listened, I've listened to it. I know which one you're talking about. You've listened to it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he, Joe talks about, Joe talks about mushrooms all the time. Uh dimethyltryptamine, uh, psilocybin, yeah. uh, all the above. And I've, I've listened to that one. 
Yeah, yeah very, a- very interesting. I mean, a lot of, lot of positive, oh, a lot yeah. of positive benefits. Not everybody has to take a hero's journey. You can have a lot of benefits, uh, you know, with microdosing. And I've actually personally have a lot of heard a lot of anecdotal experiences. So not, you know, not studies, yeah. but of it helping individuals in certain cases, some cases with physical ailments and some cases with mental ailments um, and help them to kind of get through and progress through something that's been a challenge in their life for many years. Yeah. I've been doing, um, I've been hearing and doing a lot of reading too about uh, how prevalent it is in uh, like Silicon Valley and how a lot of, you know, tech leaders are utilizing like microdosing of different substances very often like psilocybin, um, you know, for, like ultimate brain power, you know, so to speak. And it's interesting because it's not just something that people are abusing, like, you know, say like, um, like a stimulant, you know, to stay awake and focus. This is more like uh, finding ways to feed your brain and have like neurogenesis, like have your brain form, you know, new pathways. And it's, um, so I, I think I'll always find some sort of, you know, place in, in the cannabis space and, and in the uh, psychedelic and, and um, you know, natural uh, plant space. But yeah, it's it's very intriguing. I'm 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 excited to see such growth. Excellent. So we've been on we've been on for over an hour and a half. It's definitely time time to start wrapping things up. Now I got a question for you. Um, this might kind of coincide with the psilocybin talk that we just we just okay. kind of dove into a little bit. But what do you what does the next say five and ten years look like for yourself and and say what does that also look like for like, what is, what do you view the industry looking like in five to 10 years? And, um, you know, does STM have plans in that space? I mean, you're an equipment manufacturer, the mushroom, the mushroom market is going to at some point. And I, I think I actually tried to buy mushroommarket.com a while back, but <laughs> The, the, are they going to need STM in their space? So I'm sorry. Throw, I always throw a lot at everybody for the last, for the last question. So no, take like it wherever it. you like, whatever parts you want to answer or not answer. That's, that's totally fair. Um, you know, in terms of um, STM and, you know, being in the psilocybin industry, you know what, to, to be totally frank, Mark, I never even, this has never crossed my mind until you just mentioned it didn't even cross my mind. Well, maybe just because I've, even though I, there's a lot of correlations between sort of like, you know, like the, um, the boom suddenly of like both industries, I, I, I didn't really apply that like as a crossover into STM, but frankly speaking, you know, um, uh, our company is growing rapidly and, and, you know, we have a lot of things going on. And I think, you know, if I'm still involved in some capacity down the line, who knows how long that might be right. When, psilocybin is legalized and there are, um, you know, post-harvest processing needs, I think we would be um, missing out if, if we didn't maybe explore, you know, that realm. So could that be in, in the future for STM? I, I, I wouldn't say it would be totally out of the realm of possibilities. So. All right, everybody, you heard it here. STM is getting into psilocybin. No, just kidding. Totally joking. <laughs> no, no. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity there, and that that's a great yeah. point. Um, we'll see. I think, I think uh, one of the questions that tends to to plague me, especially in those in those you know shower thought moments, is sort of like where I do see myself in a few years. I think 
It's a tough question to answer on, on a number of fronts, mainly because, you know, we have no idea where the industry is going. Uh, another reason is because, you know, I, I typically... I typically don't stay with companies more than a year or two because my whole job is to come in and get them to like a certain revenue point, you know, and like kind of like build everything from scratch and then hand it over, hand the reins over to someone else. And STM has really kind of become like my own baby in, in a way where, you know, I could very well be here for a long time or it could be time to say, you know what, um, you know, maybe a couple of years down the line, um, you know, I, it, it's time to hand it off to someone that can, you know, bring it to, to even bigger you know, um, uh, length. So I don't know where I'll end up. I think at the end of the day, I'll, um, I want to focus on being somewhere where uh, education, you know, is, is still very important, which is a lot of what we do at STM. We educate a lot of our, our uh, customers. And I think that um, I'll probably end up somewhere between, you know, cannabis and psilocybin and either owning my own, you know, business, you know, wholly, uh, um, uh, or, you know, moving to another startup and, and helping other companies, you know, sort of uh, take their brilliant concepts and, and help them launch it in a space that is incredibly explosive, like, like these two. So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, but I'm, I'm- Yeah, I mean, isn't it like the, uh, well, I forget how the saying goes. I've heard it before, but it's like the, the destination is not the goal or something. Dang it. Basically that the, yeah, that, that the whole process of getting to where you're trying to go, I mean, that's the interesting part. That's the fun part. The, yeah, yeah, there yeah. it is. Thank you, Franco, and all your wisdom. And yeah. There was another one. There was another one that kind of hit me the other day. I, I don't remember the quote, you know, by any means, word for word, but I do remember reading something along the lines of happiness isn't where you're going. It needs to be where you are. Yeah. Uh, that makes that mean that that makes total sense. If you're not happy, if you're not happy with who you are, what you're doing right now, I mean, you need to basically figure out ways to make changes and, and be happy with those things. Cause you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, right? If you think you're going to be happier across the street, you may find something completely different. Yeah. You might find out they're using a fertilizer that they shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah, those damn, or they're freaking, or they're doctoring their COAs, and they've got pesticides in their crop. Yeah. Those assholes. That's what they seem. <laughs> so, verify, trust but verify. Yes, that is literally on my board. It's funny that you oh, said it says that. it says it right there. Didn't one of the didn't one of the presidents say that? Wasn't it like Reagan or something? I don't know. I heard it somewhere recently. I can't remember where I heard it, but I heard it somewhere, and I was like, oh, that's that's actually really good. You know, way to look at things. Uh, you know, good uh, quotes. I, I I wrote it down. Well, this has been great. Uh, I mean, we went through we went through a ton of stuff, ton of random stuff. It's all right though, because like I said, this is just kind of wherever the conversation takes us. You know, but either way, I've got to jump off. I got to go pick up little man. And this was once again a blast. But Jessica, we'll we'll jump on. We'll talk more, um, so we can all be on the same page. All right. Sounds like a plan. See you, Jessica. You too, Franco. So nice to meet you. Jessica, get back to your wife and uh, congratulations. Shoot me a, shoot me a text um, after, you know, when things settle down. Okay. Later, guys. Bye, guys. All right. Bye.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on PodCon X. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at thetalkinghedgepodcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.